Praise God. Well, welcome to the gathering place. It's such an honor to be before you on behalf of my beautiful wife and myself. Um, we were able to have a date night last night. Amen. The teams were, hallelujah, amen, had us a date night. And uh, we got home Friday, and I'm like, hey, the children are gone. They're hopefully, prayerfully eating carpet, amen, and on their face seeking God with other young people. And I said, what do you want to do? Do you want to go somewhere? And she goes, nah, let's just stay home and order pizza, amen. And I said, as long as you're beside my honey, let's do it, amen. So I had, I had pizza and beauty, praise God, it was a date night. And then got up in the morning time, and it was just an awesome day. I was supposed to go into the office, and I'm like... It's too beautiful of a weather, and I'm beside someone absolutely gorgeous. I think I'll just stay right where I am, right where I'm at. So, um, yeah, so I'm having a great weekend. Praise God. <laughs> and I hope your weekend is going wonderful for you as well. But we want to welcome you this morning as we have been passionately pursuing the promises of God. You're here because of a promise. You're here because of God's presence. And prayerfully today, again, I sincerely mean this when I, I said, Father, I know you have a word. Now just let me get out of the way. So that the word that God has for you can go forth and clear it in in power. And so I need your help this morning for you to really zero in on what God has for you and for me. And for this city and for your life this this morning, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to just reveal to you my heart. And I really believe that God in the 21st century, the 22nd century, in 2017, God wants us to experience a dimension of the flow of his grace that we have never experienced before. I don't care the biggest gathering of people over in North uh, sorry, South Korea, in, in Yonggi Cho, one of the largest and the largest church in the world, God is still saying, I'm bigger than that. That was for somebody. That if you're measuring success based on how big things are, God is saying, I'm bigger than the biggest thing you can ever comprehend in your mind. I believe I need to tell someone, Ephesians says, he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above. So in case you missed his bigness, he said exceedingly, abundantly, above exceedingly, abundantly, above. So whatever category you are, he goes, think bigger. Think bigger. Think bigger and get into the flow of what I have for you. I really believe that God has committed himself to bring forth his goodness in the earth through you and I. He is committed, sir, to flow through you. He is committed to flow through us. Yes, he can use a donkey and he can use a whale, but he chooses and he prefers to use us. Amen. 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 Someone say, you can use me, Lord, because I'm in the flow of your grace. So you want to be in God's flow because then you can't be touched by the enemy or by your haters. (laughs) See, because we're in the flow of God, he'll make some turns and do some things your enemies can't keep up with you. So you become unpredictable, you know what I mean? And, 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 and so when you praise God and you think it's all over, you get another level of praise that you didn't know you had deep inside of you because you're going with the flow of God's grace. You're going with the flow of God's grace. And so we want to continue as we um, navigate this concept of growth and, and what all that implies. So let me invite you to bow your head and to pray, um, and then we'll get right into the word uh, this morning. Kind and gracious God, we love you. We love you because you first loved us. You shared and you said that no matter how big we can conceive you, you said to think bigger. And so in our prayer, we thank you for the promise. We thank you, that's it, we thank you for the promise. Mm -hmm. We thank you for the promise, God. It doesn't look like it's coming to pass, but I thank you for the promise. I thank you for the promise, Lord God. Whatever that promise is that you're believing God for, thank him for the promise. Come on. 
Thank him right now for that promise. Uh-huh. Come on, Abraham waited. He got a promise. And got in the flow of your grace. Mm-hmm. Let's just marinate right on that, right there. Right there. Thank you for the promise. We bless your name, Jesus. We magnify and we worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We began this series in the month of January and we looked at spiritual growth. And let me remind you again, and for those who have been with us on this journey, I'm not here to repeat the message, but I just want to review it a little bit if I may be able to do that. That what we must desire, we must desire spiritual growth. Our nation needs for us to grow spiritually. I was reading when the teens were going to camp on Friday, and Ephesians, and the Apostle Paul says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so it's important for us to understand that we are a spirit being that has a soul and we live in a body. You have to understand your design. Someone say, I have to understand my design. The enemy will destroy you if you don't understand your design. If you don't know who you are as a creation of God, he will destroy your life. And so spiritual growth is vital for you to live a fulfilled life. And so the first thing we have to do is that all growth must be measured spiritually first and foremost. First and foremost, you have to understand that. Because you can achieve success from the world's perspective, but God is nowhere in it. All you've done is just tapped into universal principles of law of sowing and reaping, and you've been able to be successful. You can have multi-millionaires who don't even know God and have success financially. Come on, I'm teaching this thing. And the body of Christ, because we're not spiritual, will look at that. And that's why the book of Proverbs says, don't envy anybody that you perceive to be wealthy. Don't envy anybody that has the four-car garage. Come on, somebody. Huh? Because it says you don't know what they're doing or their source of what they're doing in order to achieve their success. We have to understand that as the church grows spiritually, we will then continue to be relevant in this world. I'm not opposed to finding uh, uh, trends, and I'm not opposed to making the church uh, relevant from the perspective of understanding trends and and what's going on and, and reading data and reading all those things. I'm not against that. But I'm here to tell you that if you are not living a life that is spiritual in nature, that honors God, you will, you will face an issue, a problem. Because eventually what you're going through, you're going to realize that the things that I'm doing to try to satisfy that's just not going to work. And that's why when we gather together and worship is so important. That's, that's why I, I worship with everything in me because I understand that worship. And Jesus says that, that those that worship God must worship in spirit and in truth. It's not based on my feelings. There are times where I just don't feel like it. But I know that worship is vital to my spiritual growth. I have to do that. I've got to do that. And so we have to grow spiritually. Even before we grow numerically, we have to grow spiritually. And as a pastor, if the church is growing spiritually, it's growing healthy. It's growing healthy. And so one of the things you need to know about me, if you don't know this, is that I, number one thing that I desire is relationship building. Is relationship building. In order to build relationships that are healthy, it takes a lot of work. A lot of work. And so one of the things that I absolutely enjoy is the opportunity to build relationships. And here's why. Because I get an opportunity to see what God is doing in your life, and that excites me. The word I use is inspire. I just love to be inspired when I see what God is doing and and, and how God can take you from one place to another place and just see the things that God is doing. And so in order for me then to really be able to tap into that, I have to say, God, give me patience for people then. Because you're working on them. You're doing a great work in them. 
that you want to bring out through them. And so if you ever uh, want to step into another dimension of the realities of God and live in a place of revelation, you have to live from the perspective of how do I build healthy relationships. Make the investment. Take the time that's necessary to build relationships. Because here's why. Here's why relationships are so vital. Because the enemy wants to destroy relationships. He wants to destroy relationships. But we're going to see right from the beginning, right from the beginning of the Bible where the prophet Moses was writing to a nation who just came out of bondage. Right from the very beginning, the book of Genesis, right from the beginning, the rhema gives us a revelation of the enemy's tactics of trying to destroy relationships. So the number one thing the church must do then is we must protect and we must promote and we must prophesy healthy relationships. Because I promise you this, that out in the world, they're not having it. It's fake. It's a click. They don't have the tools necessary in order for them to be able to have healthy relationships. They don't. And we're going to see, I'm going to jump ahead, but we're going to see why religion is so prominent. Is because you're trying to find a way back to God without involving God. That's called insanity. They know that there's something missing on the inside of them. There's no, they know there's a hole and they're trying to fill it with everything else and it's not satisfying them. That's why when we see the world that calls good evil and evil good, you know that's just because they're in poverty when it comes to relationships. They're going to try every single thing in order to try to fill this void and fill this gap. And here God is saying that I'm about relationships. I'm about relationships. And so that is the fundamental thing. And it's the important thing that we have to do. So watch this now. So, so if that's important, if relationship with each other is important, how much more is a relationship with God vital to our success? Absolutely. So if we're going to grow spiritually, we then need to make the decision then, I'm going to also grow personally. I'm also going to take personal responsibility then to partner with God and what God is doing. And so the the one thing I want you to recognize is this, is that when we acknowledge God, when we acknowledge God, what we are saying is this, is that the two most vulnerable places in my life, I'm going to give those over to God. The two most vulnerable places. And David, when he was talking to Solomon, because in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, it says, In all your ways acknowledge him. And that is reference to when David was talking to his son Solomon. They had this relationship between father and son. And he said, now you're about to take this assignment of building this temple. All the time it was just a tent. It was just a tabernacle. But now he says you're going to build a permanent dwelling place for God. And he's saying now that you have to have a willing mind and a willing heart. The two most vulnerable places where we have to acknowledge God is you've got to acknowledge God in your heart and you have to acknowledge God in your mind. If you're trying to acknowledge God anywhere else, it's not going to work. It has to be your heart. God is after your heart, not your hand. He's after your heart because if he gets your heart, he has your hand. Uh, can, can I teach this thing? He's, he's saying, David, he, sorry, he's saying, Solomon, you're about to build this thing, but you're inexperienced. What you need is a heart that is enlarged by the power and the presence of God, and you need a mind that is conditioned upon the things of God, lest you try to build it your way. Lest you try to do it your way, and you don't fully embrace what God has for you. So I'm here to tell you now, guard your heart and guard your mind. Two very important areas if we're going to be building any relationship with a coworker, with our spouses, with our children. Relationships are vital, but it begins with a heart and a mind. So what am I trying to win when I'm trying to parent Danny or Lizzie? I'm trying to win their heart. I'm trying to win their mind. Because the enemy is after their heart. The enemy is after their mind. He's trying to bring things that's going to try to destroy and try to separate and get them to think that, that you know, my, my counsel or trying to think and do their own thing. But we have to say, honey, if you want to build a successful life, if you want to build a successful building, if you want to build, sorry, if you want to build a successful business, excuse me, you have to involve God in your heart and in your mind. Can you imagine a worshiper who has committed their heart and their mind to God? There's not enough time on the clock. 
They're going to want to praise God every single time. And they say, well, it doesn't take all that. No, I'm living in the flow because I want God to flow through me. I want God's revelation, God's rainbow word to flow through me to a, herd, to a hurting world that needs to know that there is an option. There is an option. So when you're acknowledging God this morning, when you're acknowledging God every time you get up in the morning time, what you're saying is this, Lord, Lord, you have my heart and you have my mind. So whatever I'm going to face, whatever situation I'm going to confront, Lord, you have my heart and you have my mind. Whatever I'm watching, you have my heart, you have my mind. Whatever I'm doing, you have my heart, you have my mind. Can you imagine the power that you can possess when you understand and you acknowledge God in your heart, oh my, in your mind? The wisdom that can come out of your mouth, the word of knowledge, the supernatural gifts that God can flow through you to other individuals. That's a powerful thing. That's absolutely powerful. And so he's saying that in all your ways, acknowledge him. And we looked at the concept of work out and work in. Work out and work in what God is doing. It's needed Philippians 1 verse 6. It says being confident, Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. Being confident of this. So he tells us then that there's a confidence that we can have in what he's about to say. So I'm going to build your confidence this morning because your confidence, can you imagine having a confident heart and a confident mind that you're persuaded that whatever God tells you, that God's promise, oh, there it is, that God's promise, whatever God tells you, it's a promise. And I'm not like a man that I shall lie. No, no, no. If I gave you a promise, it's going to come to pass in your life. Don't lose hope in your heart and don't talk it out of your mouth. God has given us a promise, and it's lingering right there. It's lingering right there over you. Pastor, how do you know it's lingering? Because he says, my word will not return to me void. But it will accomplish that which I've sent it for it to do. So it's not the word that's not working. We have to work out and work in that word. Right? And so every time you get a word, just a rhema word that lifts off the pages, you know it's hovering. And you're like, oh, I want that word to come to be planted inside of me. I don't want the fowls of the air. I don't want the enemy to snatch that word. I want that word to be planted, to be rooted in my heart and in my mind. Oh, my goodness. If you're going to come in agreement with me, I need for you to be able to grab a hold of that rhema word and have it planted inside your heart and inside your mind that when we come together, there's an explosion of God's potency because we're believing God for a promise. Come on. In the midst of things that look like it's not going to come to pass, we believe God for a promise. Yes, indeed. Someone say the promise. We can't be discouraged. I'm not an optimistic person because that's my personality. You think I'm always seeing the glass half full because, oh, it's just your personality? No, I made a decision to give God my heart and give him my mind. I made a decision at the age of 18 years old that reggae music wasn't doing it for me. Y'all are like, what? <laughs> huh? That, that, that living in a certain condition, because that's all my mom could do. I'm like, but God, that is not your best for me. And when I gave my heart to Jesus, and when he told me, Rowan, salvation is just the first two, I'm like, what? There's more? He says, oh, absolutely. There is so much more. And I got back to school and I was getting A's. I was on the honor list. Not because God made me smarter. God gave me purpose. God gave me wisdom. God gave me direction. And it manifests as being smarter. Come on, somebody. And so all of a sudden, I knew how to pay attention. I knew that words were important. And I said, it doesn't matter where I started, but I know where I'm going. I'm going to get in the flow of God. I'm going to acknowledge God. So when I gave my heart to Jesus and all my friends were at 7-Eleven drinking their big, big, big gulp. Give you that freeze when you drank the big gulp they had. And I gave my heart and I gave my mind to Jesus. And, and I stayed in my room and I said, I can't come out yet. Because you're going to try to talk me out of the promise of God. And I acknowledged God and I stayed in my room and I studied his word. I had the King James Version, the thousand thieves and 
no idea, but I was reading a thousand of these. And didn't know there was any other translation. It was a King James, that big Bible. I was on a coffee table. And all I knew was that I encountered Jesus. I encountered Jesus. And he changed my life. And many of you can testify to that. Encountering Jesus with a promise. And he says, I've got so much promise upon promise upon promise. That when one promise comes to pass, another promise is waiting for you. And when that one comes to pass, another one's waiting for you to come. The promises of God are yes and? Oh, I'm preaching to a church that's alive this morning. Praise God. Good thing I got out of bed. Amen. Ah, praise the Lord. And so I was holding on. To a promise from God. And I walk down and there's all my friends right there at the corner of 7-Eleven. And I walked up to them. And I said, I had an encounter with Jesus. I won't last. I had an encounter with Jesus. We'll see you at the next party. I had an encounter with Jesus. And it changed my life. And that's when I was 18 years old. And today... I still look back at those times. And I say, God, thank you for your promise. Because you still have more promises for me. So I want more of your word. I want more of your presence. I want all that you have for me, Daddy. I want everything you have for me. I want it all. I want it all. Someone say, I want it all. But it begins in your heart and your mind acknowledging God. There's an assignment that God has for you. There's something God wants you to build. But you have to build it knowing that God's word is in your heart and in your mind. And that's where the confidence comes. That he that began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So it says being confident, AJ, that he, God, who began a good work in you, that ought to put a smile on your face. That he will bring it to completion. That means whatever tries to hinder you, God will move it out of its way. And if it doesn't exist, God will make sure it comes into power. Come on. God will do that. Yes, he will. Yes, he'll do that. And so here, we looked at work, uh, work out and work in, and then we looked at the flow. And I want you to, to, to remember these four letters. And you could spend an entire year walking through this because Jesus now comes and he teaches what it's like to live in the flow. Jesus is the example of what it's like to acknowledge God. Jesus didn't do anything unless the Father told him. He didn't do anything unless he heard the Father's voice. That's what Jesus did. Let me give you an example of what it means to do nothing unless the... I'm going to take this chair from you. Right. Can everybody see this? Okay. So, so, so to be a herald or to be someone that brings the good news is this. Here's the concept of it. So the king sits on the throne. And the herald now is right here at the feet. And they're listening. And whatever the king tells the herald, that's what they do. That's what they say. Don't alter it. Don't change it. Don't add their flavor to it. They tell them exactly what the king says. I'll say that again. So here's the king sits on the throne. And the herald is right beside him with his ears listening to what the voice is saying. Because he has one assignment, one assignment alone. is to bring the word that the king is saying to the people. He doesn't change it. He doesn't worry what you think about it. It doesn't change the perspective of it. The word is still the word. And he sits here. And then when he hears the word, he then goes out and says, here's what the king is saying. And so Jesus then says, I sit and only what the father says right here. So if I get up from this position, I take the chair with me. And when I go over here, I'm walking because I got to hear the word of the Lord. And I'm constantly, what's that father? Oh, here it is. What's that daddy? Here it is. What's that father? Here it is. Come on. I'm not on the throne. He's on the throne. Isaiah says, high and lifted up. Can I preach with a chair this morning? And this train filled the temple. Woo! And so whatever the father says, because I'm in the flow of God. 
And I don't add to it. I don't take away from it. I do exactly what the Father says to do. And the message he's saying is this. Real quick. He's saying, you have to begin with faith in God. And then you have to experience the love of God. Now, look how this works for parenting. I'm just going to speak from my perspective because I got two beautiful angels that sometimes I need to give them the rod of righteousness, right? So, so I, I, have to, I have to let them know that when I'm speaking to you, you, you verify your faith in me based on your obedience. But you can't obey unless you know, Daddy, I love you. So if I'm expecting obedience and I don't show forth love, I'm just saying because I said so. No. It's because I love you so. And so, so people are losing faith. We're talking about relationships now. And they're trying to have faith. But if there's faith and there's no love, you'll never get to obedience. Now, what they will do is if they say, hey, I want you to sit down. Okay, I'm sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm still standing up. And that's how we are with Jesus. <laughs> huh? We have a form of godliness. But denying the power thereof. And so because there's no power, we got to go to performance then. Because we got to fill the seats. So if there's no power, let's just go to performance. Am I teaching this thing? And there's a blockage that's going on there. And because there's a form of it, we think, oh, there it is. He's like, no, 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 baby, that's not it at all. And so it begins with, with faith. And I would often say, hey, Lizzie. For me to protect you, I need obedience. Let's say there's a robber that's coming in. And as the pastor, uh, Paul, uh, sorry, Jesus says, hey, hey, the person who you can hire, when the wolf comes, they will leave and leave you vulnerable. So Lizzie, Danny, when I'm telling you that I see the enemy lurking and I tell you, let's go, I can't have you sit there questioning I didn't say you can't ask questions. I said, I can't have you questioning. <laughs> because I welcome questions, giving the opportunity to show you God's love for your life. So I welcome questions. I want you to be a good student of the word of God. But when you start questioning, you're wondering, you, you, you say that you're lacking a faith in something. And so you can never get to obedience and then it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so here we are. It's the flow. And this is how God wants us to live. That's how God wants us to live. But the enemy now comes. The enemy says, well, um, I don't like the flow. I, I don't like the fact that you're, you're listening to God. And so he walks up in Genesis and he, he says, oh, my goodness. He, he, the water's flowing out of the garden and they're in prosper and everything is good. He goes, let me, let me. Let me bring something to the table. Let, let me rearrange these things here. And so in your notes, it says, a life out of order and man's attempt to bring order on his own is a form of religion. So what they, they said was, okay, well, it, it can't start with faith in God. It's something I have to do. So let me, let me, let me take the W and let me, let me move everything else down. Okay, and, and I'll start with works then. Huh? Let me, let me start with, with works. And we're looking. What did that spell? Okay, no. That, that, that can't be it. That can't be it. So let me, let me now move everything else down. And let me see if this, because it didn't work. So, so let, me, let me try something else. And, and, let's see what this, what this does. And, and now I look and, no, uh-uh. No, so let me now, let, let me now, because I'm lurking in the dark, right? So let me, let, let, let me now, let me now just, let me just rearrange. Just, just, just a, li- a little bit of compromise won't hurt. Come on, church. Uh, you don't take all that praise and worship. It, it, it doesn't really require. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't need all of that. The, 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 it, it, come on. It don't, you don't have to praise for an hour. You don't got to praise for a minute. You just got to let me rearrange. 
and get you out of the flow. Ah, God. You see, you see, because, because the wolf. Oh, come on. Assignment is to restore relationships. So he says it wasn't working when you had faith, love, obedience, and works. So I would just bring the works over here. Let me ask the question, how's that working out for you? And so, and so here it is now. Here it is, what, what, what I believe to be religion. And it bites you. And let me share with you why, as your pastor, I have to protect you from two things. There's the, there, there's the wolf that comes through false prophets. And there's also the wolves that comes to try to devour you and separate you. And it's that wolf called religion. It is so subtle. Watch this now. Can I teach this thing for the next 15 minutes? Watch this. Watch this. So because with Adam and Eve, they realized that when they got bit, that they were now naked. And the first thing they did, see, rebellion will always lead to religion. The first thing they did was they saw they were naked. They hid from each other. No more relationship. We can't come to the table anymore. The second thing was they made work fig leaves together to try to cover their nakedness. Basically, they got bit by the enemy. And so they started to work it on their own. I can cover my thing on my own. I can cover my shame. I can cover my guilt. I can do it on my own. And what happens is, as pastors, when we get frustrated, we try to do it on our own. And it won't work. It'll never work. God's presence shows up. And they hid from the presence of God because religion will never get you to God. The works. There are certain religions, they got to do this thing every single time because they can never have a relationship with God. And they'll do the work and they'll do it over and do it over and do it over and do it over and do it over again. Ever. And it's works, it's works, it's works, it's works. And they never live in the place of seeing God as a good God and God and all that he has for us. But Pastor, I'm, I'm not religious. Let's take a look at this and see if we are or not. So the works, the works. And so what God had to do was God, God made a, a clothing for them and he took the sacrifice of an animal and he took the skin and he clothed them and then God issued a system of how to get access to him. God made the system and said through Moses, this is how you're going to access me. You have to go through this. You got to do 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 all these things and it didn't work because the next day they had to do it over again. And they had to do the same thing over and over and over and over again and over and over again. And it didn't get rid of the guilt. They still feel guilty. And they came back again and doing it over and over. And here comes Jesus. And Jesus, if you study the Old Testament, Jesus is the fulfillment of every single type and shadow. Every single thing. What God was giving them was the blueprint of Christ. He was giving them the way that he was going to come and restore mankind back to, to each other again. And that's why when we preach, Jesus is the only way. We're not trying to dog your thing. We're not trying to say your things, whatever. I'm just telling you, there's no other way. Your way, it's not going to work. I'm just telling you, it's not going to work. I'm not trying to exclude you. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm not trying to be this. I'm not, don't, put, don't put a label on me. Don't label me. I am in love with Jesus Christ. And I hear what he tells me. And that's what I'm doing, what he tells me. And so here it is now that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of everything. He got us and he taught us how to live in the flow. How to live in the flow. But here it is now. 
that this religious system was so ingrained in the children of Israel that when Jesus Christ came and died on the cross, he, 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 the, the walls of division, the things that wouldn't bring us to the table anymore, he got rid of it. And he brings us back into this relationship now. And I want you to understand this. I want you to, to understand this, Wendy. That what Jesus Christ did was he restored that which was lost. He restored it back again to God. He brought nations back together again. He brought people's group back together again. He brought languages back together again. Jesus Christ is the answer. It's not just a religious cliche. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the answer for America. He's the answer for the nations of the world. God. We can't back down. We cannot call it quits. We cannot give in. Jesus Christ is the answer to every single one of our challenges, our issues, our situation. He really is. Help me, Holy Ghost. And so here it is now. Here it is. That Peter, who encountered Jesus, is now free. But yet, religion, the wolf, is still lurking. And so here was Peter now. That, that, that God called him and says, go to the Gentiles. Go to Cornelius' house. Because he's a God-fearer. He's a worshiper of God. Go and restore that relationship again. I'm teaching this thing. And here was this man that for all his life, he only knew a religious system. That Jesus Christ now destroyed. He took his security blanket away. He took the very thing that he was holding on to, to appease God. He took it away. And God will take anything away that will become a religious object in our lives that will hold us back from walking in the power and the freedom that God has for us. He loves us too much to cause us to hold on to a security blanket that will not work. And here it is now that Peter says, Father, I have never eaten any food, the law states, I can't do that. I've been a faithful, religious person. And he says to him now, no, I'm about reconciliation. I'm about restoration. Peter, you need to grow. You need to grow. And Peter goes and he, he goes down and, and he eats with them. But word got out that, that Peter was eating with, with the Gentiles, he was eating with people who, 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 who weren't part of the nation of Israel. And, and, and here it is now that Peter tells them, hey guys, this is God's idea. It's not my idea. This is God's idea. He's about restoring these relationships. It was God's idea. So if God can restore, if God can restore, if God can bring two nations, come on, together. How much more can he bring your loved one back to him? How much more can he restore that marriage? How much more can he restore that mind? How much more can he get you off the drugs? How much more can God, whatever promise that God has given to you of restoration, it will come to pass because if a religious system couldn't stop God, and if two nations that were fighting one another can come to God, how much more can God's promise come to pass in our life? Your promise. And I share all that with you. Because of this. Because of this. Peter now. Is at the table. With some fellow believers who were Gentiles. And he was at the table. Fellowshipping with them. And then all of a sudden some people came down. From, from Jerusalem. And when they came, all of a sudden, Peter now, Peter, the rock, Peter now, all of a sudden, pulls away from the table. He got bit. He pulls away from the table. He says, I can't have the circumcised party. I can't have these religious people see that I'm eating with 
these people that I can't have them see me eating with them. And he pulls away. And Peter does that. And then the other Jews with him, they pull away too in Galatians. And then Barnabas, he pulls away as well. One act of religion. One act of being religious caused an entire separation of a group of people. That's how deadly this thing is. That's how dangerous this thing is. And that's why it's important that we must understand that no, the Apostle Paul says, Peter, get in the flow. Get in the flow. It's faith, Peter. And not works. Come on. Come on. Peter, it's love. Just get in the flow. Get in the flow. Get your life in order. Because here's the definition of a wolf. Here's the acronym. It's works that leads to obligation that connects us to legalism that ends in fear. It's works that leads to obligation that causes to be legalistic. And we operate in fear. Five minutes left. Let me share this with you. How many know the story about the prodigal son, Luke 15? They were upset because Jesus, who flowed in the grace of God, would go to people that the religious folks weren't going to. And they had an issue with that. He says, why do you do that? And he gives them three parables with the same meaning, but three different parables. Talks about the person, if they have a sheep, and the sheep wanders off, the shepherd leaves the 99, goes, gets the one, brings them home, Luke 15. And then he talks about the story about the two, uh, uh, the, the, the coins, and they lose one of the coins, and they go and they get the coins and bring everybody and they celebrate. And then he finally gives this, uh, this story of the prodigal son. Um, and he says, watch how the enemy works now. The prodigal son comes, the first thing he does is, I want division. He comes in, Father, I want my inheritance. I, I, I don't want to be at your table anymore. Parenting 101. I'm 18 now. I don't want to be at the table anymore. I don't want what you have to offer. I don't want you. I want your stuff. I don't want you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the stuff, but I don't want you. And so the father divides to both of them his living. And if you know the story, he goes and he lives this life and it's empty and he, he now goes with the pigs and there's so much things there in terms of being a Jew. Some of the things you don't do, right? He goes there. And I never saw this until I was, I was looking at it again and I can see how he got bit by the wolf. Because when he comes back, see, repentance, right? It's not remorse, it's repentance. And look at the danger what religion does. And I, and I, and I launch out with this. The prodigal, Ian, comes back and he, says, and he says, before he even gets to the Father, he says in his heart and his mind, right back again, right? I'm, I'm acknowledging my sin right back, right back again. And he says, my father's servants, they live much better than me. So I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to tell, hey, father, um, I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. Make me as one of the hired servants who live in your estate they don't have the privilege as the son, but, 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 but they live in the estate. And, and, so, and so I want to be like one of them. What he was saying was this. He comes back and he's saying, I want to work off my debt. There's no way your love, it's impossible. There's no way your love could be that strong. It is impossible. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been through. There's no way, Father, you can love me that much. So I'm going to have to work it off. I'm going to work off the debt. I'm going to pay you back for everything that I did. And that was his mindset. And we have people, when we tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they still think, there's no way God could love me like this. I've been bit by the wolf so many times. There's no way. So I come, I got to do something. It doesn't work out. I got to do something. It doesn't work out. I got to do something. It doesn't work out. I'm trying to pay off my debt, God. And God is saying, there's no amount of money you have. There's no amount of money you have. 
So when you're out there evangelizing, when you're out there because you're sitting at the throne, you're sitting right here, and the Father's talking to you, He's trying to tell them, there's no amount of money they can pay. So before you're going to have that relationship, they're going to sit at the table, and you're going to influence them. You have to let them know, there's nothing you can do to earn the Father's love. He loves you when you are yet a sinner. He died for you. And here he comes now, and he says, and, 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 and he's there, he goes, but I got to work it, I got to work it out. It's interesting now, because that was in his heart and his mind. But I believe there's a transformation, and we launch with this, there's a transformation that took place from the time he thought in his heart and his mind, to the time when the father got to him. Look at God and his love. His love can reach to the furthest part of your life. His love is absolutely amazing. The father now, and if you know Jewish history, they would never pull up their coat and they would never run. But here the father was saying, no, 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 baby. They've been bit by the wolf and I'm not going to leave them vulnerable like that. I'm going to go after them. I'm going to go after them. And he runs and he runs and he says, oh my goodness. And all the people are saying, you're not supposed to do that. He says, you don't understand my love. I'm in the flow. I'm in the flow. I'm in the flow. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that. Oh, that makes me. And here it is now. Listen to me. This, this is how we're going to grow the church. There are people, they're doing all, the enemy has lied to them. He has bit them. He, he's by, and he's saying, it's, it's about works. And God is saying, no, it's not. It's not. It's not. The father comes, says, put a coat on them. Put the ring on them. Let them know that they're part of the family. Make room for them at the table. Make room for them at the table. Make room for them at the table. That's repentance. That's repentance. That's repentance. If you're here, whatever head bowed, every eyes closed. This is your commission. To go into all the world and preach the gospel. Going to the clock back there, it's 11.59. I got 60 seconds. What I want to invite you to do is I want you to come to the table. Take your communion. And this week, this week, I want you, have you take your communion, to give God thanks for what he has done and for putting you in the flow of his grace. It's to take the communion and say, thank you, God, I was able to come to the table and I'm able to have a relationship with you. And I want to live that out, God. I, I, I want you to work out and work in me. All that you have. And I promise you this. I promise you this. That his presence will so fill your heart and mind. That you will live in the flow of God and you will see the promises of God come to pass in your life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to the table. I want you to, to come to the table. Come, come grow with us. Come, come, come grow with us. There's nothing that we can do but just to receive his love, receive his grace. Come. Who will come to the table and, and who will have communion with the Father? And come. Now, with your communion, 
with your communion. We've taken communion many times. For those of us who are believers, this is not the first time you've taken communion many times. But, but this time, this time, when you take it, you're acknowledging God in your heart and your mind. You're acknowledging God. And that you're saying, God, I'm going to live in the flow of your love. I'm going to live in the flow. I'm going to live in that place of where your presence is all that I need. I'm going to live at the table every single time. This is you acknowledging God. Ready? This is you acknowledging God. This is you acknowledging God. So peel the top part off. This is you acknowledging God and thanking God for all he's done for you. I was talking, and Emily was talking this morning earlier, and she was talking about her road to a mess experience and how they took communion, and it was a time of celebration. It was a time of joyous thing, and that's what this is. This is, you're able to come to the table to have fellowship. And so it says, this is my body broken for you. Often as you eat of it, you remember me. Give God thanks. Lord, I thank you for your body. I thank you for your body. I thank you for your body. I thank you that I can live in the flow and I can come to the table. Go eat all of it. Eat it all. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now with the cup, the New Testament, my blood that was shed for you. As often as you drink of it, you do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. Go ahead and drink all of it. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that I can be at the table. Now, Father, we leave this place, but we never leave your presence. And we will hold on to the promise. We will always bring unity, Lord God, to the body of Christ. And that we, Lord God, will watch out for the wolves. And we will never, Lord God, ever think it's what we have done to earn your love. It is what you have done, God, that brought us to the table. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Praise God, amen. Praise God, amen, amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you. If you desire prayer, I want to pray with you. Come to the altar. Let me pray with you. Have a great week. We'll see you on Wednesday as we continue our Inspire Marion. Praise God. God is doing some great things. Pray for our teenagers as they come on the way back. If you want it, we're going to meet at 6 for prayer. Inspire Marion is going to start at 7. I'll be here at 6 for prayer if you want to come and pray. That's awesome. Inspire Marion starts at 7 o'clock. But we're going to be here from 6 praying and believing God for more and more. So if you need prayer, I want you to come to the altar. If you don't know Jesus, I want you to come to the altar and let me pray with you. But God bless you and may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you as you acknowledge God and what he's doing in your life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Amen.